0: In our current sermon series, what God says about our bodies, uh, what God says about our body, uh, we started in the first week and we uh, looked at the scripture and we found out that God made us on purpose and for a purpose and it matters to him what we do with our bodies. In the second week, we found we were investigating, and uh, we know it all deep down that there's something fundamentally wrong with us and with our bodies, and that's called sin. And so God sent a body to rescue us, and that's the body, the person of Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to go back again to look at uh, Genesis 1, what God says about our bodies, and we're going to discover that... um, well, well, we'll talk about what we're going to discover when we go back to, again to the beginning. You can turn your Bibles right now to Genesis chapter 1 if you would like. Um, that's where we're going to start because that's the beginning. Um, before we do that, I, I want to share with you that uh, I think in the second hour when we have uh, some more children in here as family Sunday, we'll, we'll do this up here, but uh, there is a television show that I've always enjoyed and laughed at, but sometimes makes me cringe Like, there's something so cringeworthy that I just, ah, don't do that. And uh, the show is this. It's called Impractical Jokers. There are four friends, and they kind of dare each other to do things that are silly or gross or stupid. And I laugh sometimes because... And if they don't perform the dare, they get punished and have to do something they would hate doing. So one time, uh, there's a man who hates heights, and he hates flying. And so when he didn't perform the dare, he had to jump out of a plane uh, with a parachute because he hated it. And you know, that's kind of cringeworthy. You're looking at him scared, and you're laughing at him a little bit. And there was an episode where uh, they were teaching an art class, and they had these children making these paintings. And the dare was that the instructor had to take a big red paintbrush and put a huge X through these children's pictures. Now, doesn't that make you cringe when you think about that? It's mean. And so the guy said, he said, I can't do this. It's, It's bad. Well, he didn't do the dare, so he had to be punished. And his punishment was he had to draw an X through everybody's painting. And the rule is you have to do the punishment. And he went by and these children were making these pictures and some of them were pretty nice. Can you imagine if you painted a picture and you were really proud of and loved it and the teacher came by and put an X from corner to corner and I'm watching it cringing on the inside and I can see by your faces, I can see by your faces, some of you know the show I'm talking about, you have seen that episode and some of you are like, that is disgusting. Why would anybody do that to kids? There was one little girl. She probably was eight years old. And she said, don't you dare touch my painting. And he said, I have to. She said, don't you dare. And he, he slowly went to do it. And she said, I will never forgive you. And he put a big X through her painting. And she said, there are no words to describe how much I dislike you right now. I mean, she was heartbroken. And you know what? He was heartbroken, too. He goes, I don't like myself either. And he walked off. He about ready to cry. Now, what is it about that story that makes us cringe? And we know that's wrong. It's just wrong for him to put a big X through their creation. I think it has something to do with if we create something and we design something, we're putting a little bit of ourself into that painting, for example. And then to have somebody come along and ruin it, it makes everybody in here say that is not right. Or, if we take something, we put a little ourselves into it like a painting, we make it as good as we can do it, and we're proud of it, for somebody to come along and say, what you did is garbage, which is what would happen if you put a big red X on it, it makes us realize this is wrong. You know, when when we take the bodies God has given to us, and we... Do something against our bodies that insults God I think he might feel that same kind of cringe within him and if we could only understand God's authority his knowledge and his love for us I think we would change our perspective on how we deal with our bodies and how we deal with other people's bodies you know, how we make decisions and what we decide to do, no matter what part of our life we're deciding to make a decision on. We want to know the authority. We want to know who can tell us the right and wrong things to do. We want to know the authority. We want to know who has the best knowledge so we can decide what is best for us. We, we research. We, we come to a decision. And we want to know who is trustworthy, who loves us as much as we love ourselves or maybe even more? And I would say that's God. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, God is here in Genesis. Um, it is telling us why he it did creation. And we studied this a couple of weeks ago. I'll rehash it again just in case we didn't catch it. This is not about, this is not about, the, the main point of this is not how many hours are in a day the main point of this is not um the timeline the main point of this is not like how old the earth is the main point of this is to reveal to all of people that there is disorder and evil and chaos and god brings order and design on purpose that's the point of the creation story God is the author of life. That's the point of the creation story. And we find in the first three days, God is establishing an order and a design and purpose. And in the second three days, he puts the ownership, the created beings, to go in those created spaces. So he separates light and darkness. He separates the waters. He creates sky and water. He separates the water from the land. He creates land and seas. And then he puts the sun and moon and stars in those created spaces. He's bringing order. He puts birds and fish. He's creating order. And he puts uh, land animals. And then the very end of his creation. By the way, he says every time, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. But the very end of creation, after he continues to separate, God is Holy. And a lot of times when we think of holy, we think um, it means righteous and good and perfect. And it does mean those things. But there's another word for, there's another way to describe holiness. And it is to separate, to make distinct, to pull apart from one another. And where uh, this goes over here and this goes over here. And this, because it's separate from that, is, is now separate and holy. And so when God is separating the night and day, he's making them, they're they're very similar, but they're distinct. And when he's separating the waters, and he has sky and and the water underneath, they're they're separated, they're very distinct. when he separates the the land from the sea, they're separated, They're, they're very distinct. And then when he has the animals, he separates one type of animal out, and he breathes his spirit into that animal and makes them human. He separates them from all creation, very distinct, with a purpose. And I want you to see some of this purpose. Then God said, after he created everything, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals, over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Verse 31. And this is kind of really cool. God saw all that He had made and it was very good. It was no longer just good. It was very good. God had separated out people. He made them holy. They kind of reflect His holiness. God is separate from all other creation. And He separated them out for a specific purpose, to multiply in the earth because people are going to reflect God's character wherever they go. So God wanted His character reflected all over the earth. And then to rule over the earth have dominion over it, because that also reflects God's character to bring order to chaos. When Jesus tells us the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he's restoring us to that God-given purpose created for Adam and Eve, bringing order to chaos, bringing God's will wherever we go. I want us to see That from this creation story, there is an author of life, an author of humankind, an author of humans, and that author is God. Because he is the author, because he is the creator, because he is the author, where do you think we get the word authority from? Authority comes from the creator, the author of humans. When we are looking to make decisions for our life, we want to know who has the right to tell us what to do. And when we investigate and we find that the government has failed in some areas, we think, man, they they don't really have the authority I don't think I want over my life. Or we find our culture hasn't done things right in its entire history. We think maybe our culture shouldn't tell us what to do. When we look at the maybe even the church and we see where church members have been hypocritical and we think, maybe the church shouldn't have authority over me. Or we look at our family and we think, maybe our family. So we turn inward and we say, you know who must make authority? It must be myself. But just examine yourself. Have you ever done something that you regretted afterwards doing? Have you ever made a decision where you're like, I'm the authority, I'm going to do things my way, and then immediately thought, man, I wish I had done it some other way? Even ourselves are not good authority over ourselves. But the author of life who created us, I'm telling you, he is the one with perfect authority to tell us what to do. He created us. He knows our design inside and out. When I was growing up, my brother was, uh, is, yeah, and still is, <laughs> eight years older than me. And he came out at the right time to, like, enjoy Star Wars in all of its glory. There is a perfect age to be born where something just affects you so much. And so my brother had Star Wars toys. Well, I came after my brother. And guess whose toys I wanted to play with? My brother's. And um, I started loving Star Wars. And then I got this cool Star Wars toy. It was the TIE Fighter. And you don't know what that is, but it's a weird bad guy plane, spaceship. And on this cool spaceship, it had buttons. I could press the buttons, and the wings would pop off like it got shot down and exploded. It was the coolest thing. My older brother, he had the good guy spaceship, the X-Wing uh, I'm losing some of you. Some of you are thinking, right now, you're thinking, big nerd. Okay, so anyway, he, he has this X-wing. And I was convinced that the X-wing's wings would come off like my TIE fighter wings. Mine, my toy, it had a button. The wings popped off. His toy didn't have a button. But you know, if you pull hard enough and long enough... I bet those wings would come off. And I explained this to my brother who said, don't take those wings off. They don't come off. And I explained this to my parents who said, don't take those wings off. They don't come off. It's not built the same. And then when nobody was looking and nobody was around, I took the wings off. You know, they didn't come off. They weren't supposed to come off. And they would not go back on. There was a design to one toy that was not like the other toy. And even though my parents and brother were not the creator of that toy, they knew the design of that toy. They knew the function of that toy. And they instructed me with good instructions on good authority that if I proceeded with my actions, it would tear up and destroy one toy and kind of make one son's butt red with a spanking they knew the path of destruction i was on and they tried to explain it to me and no matter how much they told me i went down a path that hurt my brother's feelings i think he's still mad about it to this day it disobeyed my parents Why do I have to learn from mistakes? Why can't I learn from instruction? God created our bodies. He knows the design of our bodies and he gives us instructions because he's the authority on our bodies. If we differ from that design plan that he laid out, it will not go well with us we also want to know who has knowledge of our bodies you know i love how god lays this out telling us the why let's create mankind in our own image so they can reflect the glory of god wherever they go so god created mankind in his own image and then god blessed them be fruitful and multiply and then rule over the earth then he skips down in chapter 2, he, he kind of, he does the screen where he spreads his fingers on the screen and we get a little close-up look. It's like a magnifying gla- glass put on uh, the man and woman. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. We're going to talk more about that when we talk about marriage in a couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about our bodies in regard to singleness. The following week, we're going to talk about our bodies in regard to marriage. This passage is about marriage um, and he said it's not good for man to be alone i'll make a helper suitable for him now the lord god had formed out of the ground all the wild animals all the birds in the sky he brought them to man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature that was his name so the man gave names to all the livestock the birds in the sky all the wild animals but for adam no opposite deliverer was found so the lord god caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man and then the man said whoa man oh sorry <laughs> that's what I'm it does say that this is now this is the first poem in all of history this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man That's why a man leaves his father and mother and and be united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, when we're making a decision, we want to know who has the best knowledge for us on how to make that decision. Well, don't you think the person who designs the X-wing toy fighter would be able to tell you what the best knowledge on that creation is? Don't you think the creator of our bodies, designed our bodies, gave us a blueprint, would be able to tell you the best knowledge about how they're designed, what they're used for? Do you see that God made male and female two halves of one whole to reflect God's image? One way to think about it, the best knowledge of it, is kind of like, this, I, I heard this illustration, and, um, and then I heard another illustration a little bit better. One illustration is like, if you can imagine a mirror that was broken in half, and they can't reflect God's image good enough, but when you put them two together, they reflect the image of God perfectly. Two in one. And that, that illustration starts breaking down, though, because if you take a mirror and you cut it in half, both mirrors reflect God's image. So a better, a better illustration is if you have a piece of polished silver that scratches easily, Well, that's going to reflect the image of God. And you have a piece of glass that doesn't scratch easily, but the image is a little distorted when it's reflected off the glass. It's not as clear. But if you put that silver and glass together, you have a mirror, perfect reflection of God that doesn't scratch easily. God created man and woman to reflect Him. And His knowledge of men and women where He gives out Roles for men and women that honor God. Men and women both created in the image of God. Both equal in God's sight with different roles to fulfill the image-bearing responsibility, the multiplication responsibility of God. Don't you think the author has knowledge that we could use? Perfect knowledge that we could use over our bodies. And God designed it male and female. This is the knowledge we need over our bodies. I'll say this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll probably say it again in the following weeks. Our bodies are not all we are, but they are who we are, and we're no less than our bodies. And the anatomy God gives us, both male and female, determine our gender, Our anatomy is not all that we are in our our gender, but they point to who we are in our gender, and it's no less than we are in our gender. So if God designed us as male, that points us to be male, and that determines our gender, which is male. And if God designed our anatomy as female, that points to the gender of female, and that determines that we are female. It's not all that we are, but it is not less than what we are. We are our bodies. And the author... The perfect author has, should have the ability to tell us what to do with our bodies. And he should have the knowledge, perfect knowledge on our design blueprint to tell us who we are in our bodies. But we also want to know who is trustworthy. Who can we trust? I would say that you can't always trust the government. And you can't always trust your family. I would say you can't always trust your church. I would say you can't always trust your culture. And after years of experience in this body, I can't always trust myself. Maybe you've come to that same conclusion. You know, Scripture tells us we should be very careful in trusting our own heart and feelings. Because our feelings and even our reasoning can sometimes be mistrustful. But you know who is trustworthy? God. But why is he trustworthy? Let's keep going back to this why. Keep going back to this why. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you. That's trustworthy. Jesus loves you so much that while you were so far from him, while you didn't even know anything about Him, while you hated Him, that's when He loved you so much He died for you. Jesus willingly left heaven, willingly came to earth in a body, becoming something He wasn't. He became human in our place. He took our sin on His body. Before you were even born, He was absorbing your sin into His body. And then he submitted himself to death for you, not just any death, death on a cross, the death of a criminal and slave. He made himself so low, so he could lift everybody up. When we go to make decisions about ourselves, about anything, we want to know who has the authority to do it. We want to know who has the the uh, knowledge that we need, and we want to know who is trustworthy. Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, the creator of our bodies, is the authority and the knowledge and the person that is most trustworthy for us to make our decisions. And here's what the scripture says about our bodies. He created them male and female so that we could best honor Him using our whole person. So what do we need to do about this? First of all, here's what we need to do. If you are having issues or depressions or thoughts or negative thoughts about your bodies, know that issues and depressions and thoughts and negative thoughts, you need to know that that's not a sin. It's not a sin to have doubt It's not a sin to have questions. It's not a sin to have thoughts. Sometimes we have thoughts that are not even our own that come in our head. When Jesus was walking on the earth and he was being tempted by Satan, one of the temptations of Satan was turn this rock into bread. If you turn this rock into bread, then everybody's going to see this miraculous event, and they're going to worship you. You won't have to go to the cross. Well, that thought was not Jesus' thought. That was a thought given to him. Some people struggle so much with these negative thoughts about their bodies, they begin thinking maybe they're born in the wrong body. And people who are anatomically male and have chromosomes that are male and have all the um, chemical and molecular structure of male begin to think that, and have feelings that they should be a woman. Or vice versa, somebody who's a woman who is chromosom- chromosomically a woman has all the molecular structure of a woman, has the anatomy of a woman, has the chemical balances of a woman, somehow begin to think that they need to be a male. You need to know that having those thoughts and having those doubts is not a sin. But the Scripture is very clear that when we align ourselves opposite of what God says or we go against what God says in any part of His design... It becomes a destructive path for us. And the Bible is very clear that anytime we take and align ourselves not with God's plan, but with a plan of our own making, we never achieve happiness, joy, or peace. So if you are experience gender dysphoria or you have doubts, you need to know those doubts or questions are not a sin, but it is a sin if you go against what God Designs and has told you what you should do for your body. If you're a Christian, here's what you should do you should teach the authority, the knowledge, and the trustworthiness of Jesus Christ, and you should do it with such grace and gentleness that people want to hug you when you're finished. You start with grace and you end with truth. You don't leave the truth out, but you don't use it like a hammer. Because people who are struggling with their doubts or have a misbelief or have been taught incorrectly are still people. And when Jesus looks at people, He looks at people with compassion. When Jesus looks at people, He listens. And Jesus never strays from the truth, but He is always gracious. If you're a Christian, you need to teach who has authority, and knowledge and trustworthiness over our bodies you need to teach what God's plan is for our bodies you need to teach what his blueprint is for life and you need to do it with such gentleness and there's a warning here the first warning I already mentioned anytime we go against God's blueprint or plan we are headed on a path of destruction I like how the Eastern Orthodox Church explains heresy They don't say heresy will send you to hell. They'll say heresy is a pathway that may lead to hell. What they mean is anything that is not of God, anything off of God's blueprint, if you live it or you teach it, that's a heresy that that can lead to a path that will take you to hell. That's the first warning. The second warning is if you teach something different than God's plan and His blueprint, you're not only committing a heresy which is endangering your own soul and endangering other people's soul but you're also going against jesus isn't that weird we like to think about jesus with grace and truth and we never think about when we turn our backs to jesus or we spit in Jesus' face or we say jesus i know what you teach but i'm not going to follow you jesus says if you love me you'll obey my commands Imagine all the things that Jesus teaches a command. In Matthew chapter 19, when Jesus, they ask him a question about divorce, he actually teaches about male and female. He's talking about divorce and marriage, but he's actually teaching us about who has authority, knowledge, and trustworthiness. And so they said, Jesus, is it okay for anybody to divorce for any reason? And Jesus says, Haven't you read? In the beginning, God made them male and female. And what God has joined together, let no man separate. He's taking us back to authority, knowledge, and trustworthiness of God. He's taking us back to the design plan of God. He's talking about marriage, and he's actually talking about so much more. If you teach something that goes against the authority and knowledge and trustworthiness of God, you are actually turning your back on Jesus. He is God. And he did teach the authority and knowledge and trustworthiness of himself. And God's design. So there's two warnings there that we need to listen to. This is a this a struggle for me sometimes because I have some Christian friends, they are believers in Christ, who think it's okay to teach something other than what God says is true and what God says is reality. And they are in danger. Just like any time I teach something that's not true or not in line with God's reality, I'm in danger. When I teach that, you need to come tell me. You need to tell me quickly. Please do it gently, but just tell me. It's happened before in this church. I've taught something. I've spoken the word. And somebody afterwards has come up to me and afterwards, and they said, "Hey, Dale, I disagree with this. Can we look at this together?" And we look at it, and I'm like, "Oh, thank you for telling me this." And then I have to come back and tell people, "Hey, I taught this wrong. We need to fix this. We need to do what the Scripture says." We need to know who our authority is, where we get our knowledge from, and who is trustworthy to do it. The scripture tells us it's God. History tells us it's God. And if we just examine just a little bit, we can know that it's God. Deep down, we know it's God who has the best authority, the best knowledge, the best trustworthiness. We also need to know that if we align ourselves, if we don't align ourselves with God's will, His design, His knowledge, it is a path of destruction. It is very clear from Scripture. It's very clear from experience. If you don't align yourself with God's life that He wants for you, His will for your life, if you don't do that, you will never achieve happiness, joy, or peace. Let me say it another way so I can make this really clear. I <laughs> I'm making it clear. If you take your own Life and you make yourself your own authority and you live by your own knowledge and you do things because you think you are the most trustworthy. In disregard to God, you will never experience happiness, joy, or peace. I can't be any more clear than that. And yet we sang earlier, our sin is great, but His mercies are more. Do you know everybody in this room has at one time, at the very least once, been the own authority of your life, chosen to do things based on your own knowledge, disregarding the wisdom of God, and trusted yourself and your feelings more than you trusted God. Everybody in here has done that. Everybody watching online has done that. We have all tried to take authority of our life we have all tried to be the knowledge base of our life we've all disregarded the loving grace of Jesus Christ God says that's sin and then if we turn to him he provides mercy upon mercy grace upon grace where our sin increased his grace increased more and we know this because of Jesus Christ